Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes, Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Price Atkinson joined by Bill Rowland here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. Bill, it was a busy Saturday last weekend, almost went three for three, came up just a little bit short, albeit a uh, a second half that kind of got in the way for the midshipmen uh, that prevented that 3-0 and from happening. But we'll get into it in just a second right here on Yards and Stripes, all things Service Academy football. Got a lot to talk about this week. We've got our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment. We'll give out some game balls. We'll look ahead to the games coming up this weekend. All three teams in action again. But, Bill, how is it going, my man? Yeah, it's good. And, and, and we got what we wanted to see from Navy, even though they ended up with the loss. Um, I, I, you know, We had asked, can you show me the effort? Can you show me that you're making progress? I think we saw that on Saturday. And then a couple of nice wins of really workmanlike effort for Army. And uh, Air Force really, really surprised me is how dominant they were uh, defensively in their game. So, yeah, I think if you're looking at it, um, obviously, if you're Navy, you'd like to have gotten a win. But uh, if you want to look at moral victories or taking a step forward, I think we saw that with Navy on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And steps forward were taken um, by all, I think, all three of these teams in different ways. And let's go ahead and just pop right into it, Bill. Uh, going back to last Saturday, let's start in West Point. Uh, the Army Black Knights defeating Miami of Ohio 23-10. to um, Army now 4-0 for the first time since 1996 en route to their 13th straight win at Mikey Stadium. Um you know, Christian Anderson, he wasn't recruited, Bill, uh, to complete passes. He was recruited to run the football and protect the football. And he did just that, running for a career-high 236 in two long rushing touchdowns. And they didn't turn it over. It was 0-5 passing. But what a day for Christian Anderson and the Black Knights running that win total to a perfect 4-0. and Yes, 75 and 72 yards on the touchdown runs. 15 carries is all it took for him to get to that 236. And I think I saw something. It's like top four or five in Army history, which is pretty impressive. But the concern now is he left that game with the shoulder injury, and they've got him listed as day-to-day. Haven't seen any updates yet as we record this on whether or not he's going to be available for Ball State. That could be a pretty big deal, though they do luck out that this is Ball State and it's not Wisconsin coming up because I think Mm -hmm. they'd be in real trouble if it were Wisconsin. I think they can handle Ball State with or without Anderson, which – if you're Jeff Monkey and you're thinking about this, then is that does that go into your process for that Ball State game? But field position really, to me, is what made the difference in this win. Again, a very workmanlike effort, but they dominated Zach Harding, who we don't talk about hardly at all because he's the punter for Army, and they don't punt that yeah. often. Um, he dominated. He had two punts over 50. I think he had one over 60. And when you compare it to what Miami was doing when they had to punt, Army was plus 20 in field position, and in a game like this, that was huge in this battle. Um, So I give all credit to him. He had a fantastic game. Again, just a a great workmanlike effort for them, and as you said, they're getting out of 4-0. Yeah, the Army defense doing the job, um, really holding Miami of Ohio down, 28 total yards uh, rushing 
uh, holding the Red Hawks to two of 11 on third down conversion. Uh, defensive coordinate, coordinator Nate Woody's unit, um, you know, they don't get the kind of credit just because of what Army does running the football and taking care of the football. Um, this season, you know, the time of possession when Army had it is something we've become accustomed to, you know, two-thirds of the game, 40 minutes to, to 20 minutes. And, you know, they, they rushed for 384 yards. They didn't complete a single pass. Um, but workmanlike effort, as you said, um, you know, not accustomed uh, to what we're used to seeing maybe on, on third down, um, you know, but there was a couple key moments in the game, I think, I think there was, you know, the goal line stand by the Army defense. Uh, first in goal, the Army seven. Um, then the uh, Miami of Ohio had two tries from the Army one. Um, they don't get it. Then a couple uh, Jacoby Buchanan fullback dives. Uh, ultimately, it's third and 18 from their Army's own four-yard line. And then Anderson rips off a 42-yard run. Um, they go on to score a touchdown on that drive on Anthony Atkins' four-yard touchdown run that made it 23-3. to It was an 18-play, 99-yard drive, almost 11 minutes off the clock. But 11 minutes were what was left in the game when Army was done. And that, that to me right there, I mean, that, that put the game out of reach. Um, stopping uh, Miami of Ohio at the one-yard line twice and then going 99 yards, that will completely take all wind out of your sails. Uh, and that's pretty much that was the end of the story for the Miami Redhawks on the day Saturday. Yeah, and that's exactly and I have written down here that 18 play 99 yard drive. It was huge because the stop that came before it, it's 17 to three at that point. And yes, while Army was in control, the game wasn't, you know, done at that point. So if Miami scores and all of a sudden it's 17 to 10, Army had kind of slowed down a little bit in the second half. You don't know if Miami can come up, get another stop, get the ball back, and then all of a sudden Army's trying to hold on for dear life to keep Miami from tying the game up at 17. So that fourth down, that goal line stand was huge. And then the third and 18 play was just unbelievable. Anderson spinning away from the defender. Mm -hmm. uh, just, uh, he was just trying to get room for their punter. I don't even think he even thought about getting to 18 yards. All of a sudden, 40 yards later, he's off. They get a first down, and that was pretty much the lights out. You can kind of see Miami get a little deflated when they didn't get that stop on third and 18. So uh, the defense as well, another sack for uh, Andre Carter the second. He's now up to five and a half on the season. So, again, as we keep saying, a total team workmanlike effort by this squad to get the 4-0. Here's Jeff Munkin on the goal line stand and that 99-yard touchdown drive. Anytime somebody gets the ball at the one-yard line, I don't care if it's first or fourth down, they don't get it in and we're able to stop them. That's a big play by the defense. But to answer that with a 99-yard drive to, to go up another score there was uh, was a huge turn of events in the, in the game. Christian Anderson, a 70-yard, a 72-yard touchdown run on the third play of the game, and then a 75-yard touchdown run in the second uh, quarter. Um, you know, two big plays there for the Army offense. Um, you know, Army right now outscoring opponents 35 to nothing in the first quarter this season, getting out, getting a fast start, but also not allowing your opponent to get on the board. And you take control when you've got this ball control offense. I mean, you set the tone right from the get-go. That's what Army's done at 4-0. 
you got to think that's going to happen again this weekend against Ball State. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But, you know, Anderson, you know, he left the game several times just getting banged up. But then in the fourth quarter, midway through the final stanza with a shoulder, apparent shoulder injury, Ty here, Tyler comes in and carried it eight times for uh, it basically meaningless yardage. I think he had 10, 12 yards, you know, in the game. But got to think that Ty here, Tyler's going to be the guy that goes on Saturday. But when you run this kind of offense, Bill, and this is nothing new for Army the last several seasons, you're going to have quarterbacks get banged up. Same thing for Navy. Same thing for Air Force. You know, you run your quarterback that many times, and it's going to take that many hits uh, playing against D1 competition. Uh, it's going to slowly add up. You're lucky if you can get through a season without your starting quarterback running these types of offenses from missing any real kind of meaningful time. Yeah, it's interesting because people that may watch the NFL and they see some of these quarterbacks that are running around, Army, Navy, and Air Force don't have a Josh Allen who's 6'4 and 230 pounds. Or, you know, you think back to when Cam Newton was doing it. Those guys are big, big dudes, and they can handle even the hits from the big dudes in the NFL. Uh, and look, the NFL isn't running their quarterbacks on these RPOs or whatever, you know, 15, 16, 20 times a game either. But when they do, they're they're not they're not small guys. These guys from Army, Navy, and Air Force for football players are small guys. So yeah, you're gonna have the injuries. I'd like to see them give Anderson the week off um, to, to rest up because I think from Ball State they have a week off on a bye week, and then it's Wisconsin. If my memory serves right, I could look it up, but. Yep. I think that's right. So that gives him basically that is correct. three weeks to get himself back healthy before they would play Wisconsin, or two weeks, I guess. Um, he's going to need it, I think, and, and that's their best chance if they're going to pull the upset. They need him <laughs> under center. Yeah, and these quarterbacks, you know, we know they don't run the kind of passing offenses. You know, the NCAA offense, as Paul Johnson used to call it, you know, anything like the NFL, you know, certainly where you, you traditionally are not going to have a guy most of the time that's going to take that that shot unabated, you know, a clear sack where he just gets utterly destroyed or drilled. It's usually kind of the wear and tear, you know, just getting beat down over a game when you carry it 20 times a game you know might be a stinger shoulder injury I mean it could be a knee or an I mean it's just kind of the you just get dinged up you know and by the time you get to the end of the season really the end of the month of November I mean you're just playing banged up most football players are for that uh, for that matter but let's hear from Jeff Munkinall winning at home again 13th straight at Mikey talk about protecting your home turf a thrilling victory because we feel like we beat a really good team and it's, and it's it's great to win at home i think the pride of of winning here at mikey stadium and defending our home turf is is really important to us and something that it, it's a source of pride for us when we win here in, in, in mikey stadium source of pride right now is running through that core cadets at four and oh now getting ready for ball state we'll talk about and preview that one here in just a few minutes all right bill roland and i rolling along let's let's roll out to colorado springs bill the air force academy a 31 to 7 winner over visiting florida atlantic air force improves to three and one uh the owls dropping to two and two and really the only word i've got for this was flawless it was a flawless performance by the Air Force offense. They didn't turn it over. 516 yards of total offense, including 446 yards on the ground. 73 carries in the football game. 73, forget plays, 73 carries 
by the Falcons, led by Hazik Daniels, quarterback, 17 carries, 164. They got out to a 24 nothing lead and never looked back. And shoot, them. I mean, it was off to the races in the first in the first half. 309 at the break, Bill. Dominant, 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 but flawless is the word by that Air Force offense. Yeah, they were really, really good. And the amazing thing was, after seeing how Utah State was able to throw the ball against them, I thought Florida Atlantic, I didn't think Florida Atlantic would win. I thought they'd have a little bit of success throwing the ball around. Because again, they had the transfer quarterback from Miami. They have some pretty good receivers. But the amazing thing is Florida Atlantic attempted 33 passes on the day. They ended up with 78 yards passing. Air Force threw just five passes on the day, ended up with 70 yards. That's how dominant they were. They threw 28 less passes and ended up with only eight less passing yards. That secondary, that defensive backfield did a tremendous job against Florida Atlantic. Uh, And again, they dominated as we expect, time of possession. Oddly enough, though, just three of 14 on third down conversions for Air Force. They were in a lot of short, you know, second and three, second and fours. They were doing a great job there. So they didn't have too many problems there. They were four of six on fourth down, which again, you expect the service academy teams to be going forward on fourth down. So uh, just all the way around, a great, great battle uh, for Air Force to go in. And they talked about it after last week, getting beat getting the ball thrown around on them all game long. They said, we're not going to let that happen again. And at least for one game, they were true to their word. Trey Bug, the defensive back for the Air Force Academy on playing with attitude on Saturday. You know, anytime someone gets 600 total yards of offense on you, that whole next week of practice, that's all anyone says. When you you leave a, a powerhouse like Utah State, who was able to move the ball the way they did, going to a team like FAU who had all the same characters and everyone that could do the same things we really we really locked in and took this this week's preparation to heart and we knew that we were never going to let what happened last week happen again it was clear they took that personal only giving up 219 yards but you mentioned Nikosi Perry hadn't thrown an interception he threw one in the game um, his first of the year only 11 a 33 78 yards I mean they took everything away from the Owls in this game and um, you know, you got to play with that kind of attitude and playing with that kind of attitude. They're going to have to do that, especially when it comes to Mountain West Conference. I mean, we, we mentioned it several times before the way these teams like to throw the ball. I mean, FAU is, is not, um, you know, Utah State and some of the other teams like Colorado State, uh, you know, Boise, the you know, Wyoming, these other teams that they're going to see, you know, but a good test pass by that Air Force defense. Um, you know, going back to Hazik Daniels, you know, he set the tone right out of the gate, uh, Bill. You know, a pair of touchdown runs in the first quarter, four yards, but a 94-yard touchdown run with 535 left in the first quarter that made it 14 to nothing. Here is Hazik Daniels talking about that long run himself. It was something like a play we were trying to focus on all weekend. Um, you know, Isaac Conkern, the pulling guard, uh, he got out in front of me and coach was, coach was preaching all week to let him. But let him make his block and you run off of him. And so I was just a little bit patient. Let him make the big block. And then I just saw a lot of, a lot of green grass just ran. Bill, can you imagine if the Air Force offense had converted, you know, a little bit better than 3 of 14 on third down? I mean, they had the ball just three seconds shy of 41 minutes. Think about how long they would have had the ball even more 
had they converted maybe, say, three or four more of those third downs. Yeah, they would have been really, really good. And, I mean, even better, obviously, than they were. And they were pretty good on Saturday. Micah Davis also getting into the mix, 12 carries, 93 yards for him. And on defense, Trey Taylor, four tackles, three pass breakups, which you don't see that very often as far as the number of pass breakups. He also came up with a sack as well. So, again, offense, defense, everybody did their job. We just heard, you know, guys talking about it, that this is what they intended to do. They wanted to come out there, prove a point. Um, we don't, we're not going to use the soundbite, but one of the defensive guys was asked if he thought that they could run the table and finish out, you know, not with, without another loss the rest of the way. He was just kind of like, Hey man, I'm just worried about next week, but, uh, you could see it in his eyes. There's a little glint of, yeah, if we you know what, if we play like this, we we're going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. And, you know, turnover free football, like air force played and, you know, with the defense playing like that, you're going to be in a whole lot of football games and, you know, they've got a lot coming up. They don't have an off week until Halloween weekend, which would give them, you know, a buy before, you know, they play army in the commander in chief uh, trophy game, um, you know, CIC matchup on November the 6th. And, you know, some of these matchups they got coming up, Wyoming at Boise State against, you know, an always game San Diego State team coached by Rocky Long. Here's what Troy Calhoun said afterwards about the long grind that's coming up for the Falcons. I think we have a really, really challenging road ahead. I mean, frankly, when you look at the teams that are starting right with New Mexico and how good those teams are, we got we got a good long haul ahead of us. However, we'll keep grinding, we'll keep pounding, and 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 what that'll mean is we'll make improvement too. Yeah, this uh, you know it's been a young team, uh, a lot of guys who are inexperienced, especially up front and some other spots. But you know, again, Air Force finding a way, uh, and that's what you want to do a lot of times. You know, just find a way early in the season because as you're building a, a young team and getting guys with experience, Bill. You know, momentum is a dangerous thing. And when you, you might not be, you know, on paper, a world beater, um, but it's simply about getting the job done. And when you've got that kind of momentum going like Air Force has, you know, at three and one, if they can go to Albuquerque and get win four, you go into a three game stretch that really in a lot of ways might be kind of the defining point of your season with a lot of momentum and who knows what could happen there. But right now you got to feel really good if you're a Falcon fan. Yeah, you do. And, and, and part of it though, as well is you almost have to think about what if at this point, because sure. they had Utah state beat as we talked 100%. about a couple weeks ago, they had them beat. They could be, they and army both could be sitting at four and oh right now and, and, and probably knocking on the door of the top 25. Now, are either one of these teams going to make a run towards a national title? No, probably not, just because of the way the system is set up. It, they would have to be something remarkable for them to do. But how cool would it be if we got to that game in November and you had both these teams ranked in the top 25, which I guess is still possible if, if neither one of them really falters between now and then. But it would just build the buzz for that game uh, in November if both of them were you know sitting there at 7-8-0 or, you know, 7-1, 7-1, which we, we may have. Again, I, I don't think Army's going to mm -hmm. lose outside of maybe that Wisconsin game uh, in a couple weeks. So it's possible, but it, you just if you are an Air Force fan, you are thinking, man, we should be 4-0 right now. Amen to that. Amen to that. Again, Air Force knocking off Florida Atlantic 31 to 7. All right, last game on Saturday, uh, the midshipmen going down to the Lone Star State and coming up short 28 to 20, Bill, in a game 
that they led it at the half. Houston overcomes a 17-7 to um, deficit in the second half. Uh, really tail of two halves. Um, we'll get into all of it, but it just seemed, you know, Navy could not, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't finish. They couldn't get that first win. Um, you know, the Cougars came out a different team. They missed a field goal to start the second half, but, you know, they scored touchdowns on their next three possessions, uh, you know, to take the lead. What you saw, at least in my book, is you saw life. Um, you know, obviously Navy's offense finally showed some life, you know, gaining 295 yards after what, 60 something the week before against Air Force. And forget the yards. How about the points? They finally got double digit points. They scored 20 points and they had that, you know, what, almost at halftime, 17 at halftime. You know, they got a Bijan Nichols uh, field goal in the second half, but you saw life. You saw a team that obviously got out to a big lead. They didn't quit. They kept fighting. I think that you got something to build on here after the change with Kenny Matololo taking over the play calling duties from Ivan Jasper, who just now handling the quarterbacks. Yeah. And, and you look at this game and, and you hate to say, Oh, if this had happened or, you know, that happened, but to me, two plays and, and it sums up kind of where Navy is right now. And that is they go and take a seven, nothing lead early in this ball game and then yep. they get stopped. They, they stop used to get the ball back. They get stopped, and then they give up the punt return for a touchdown. And, and how many times have we talked about it, and Coach Ken has talked about it, you can't win games if you're giving mm-hmm. up things on special teams, and they did. And then, you know, Houston comes roaring back. They go up 21-17. to 17. They kick the ball off. Navy's now kind of back on their heels a little bit. And then what happens? First play from scrimmage after they go down 21-17, a bad exchange from the center and the quarterback fumble five plays later, Houston's going in it's 28, 17. And that was basically, there was still time, but that was basically the ball game. You you just knew Navy didn't have it in them to come back being down two scores and they just couldn't pull it off. Those two plays. Yep. You stop. You don't give up the punt return. Who knows if Houston goes down and scores, you don't fumble that exchange. Who knows where you are at that point? Yeah, that that series there, um, when Houston takes its first lead of the game to start the fourth quarter on that uh, 47-yard touchdown pass by quarterback Clayton Toon, the Navy takes the kickoff, and Xavier line, you know, can't get a hold of the snap. Houston then gets it right back in five plays and, and puts it in for a 28-17 lead with 12 minutes to go. That that series right there. To me, if you had a chance, that, that kind of ended it for the midshipmen. Let's go back to that punt return. Here's Coach Ken that talked about uh, the punt return that uh, tied the game 7-7 seven to seven early in the first half. You normally don't win games when you get a punt blocked or you get one in return to the house. I don't know what the stats are in that, but I'd imagine in all of football, pop one or two the pros, when one of those things happen, normally doesn't bode well for your team. Last week mentioned it, you know, when we were talking about in the preview of this game that special teams could play a big role. That's something that had really helped Houston so far this year, especially uh, in their punting game. And it, Marcus Jones did it with that 73-yard punt return, you know, tying it late in the first quarter. You know, Xavier Arline, I thought, took a step forward too. You know, at quarterback, he's been he's really seen more one-dimensional, Bill. Uh, you know, you know, so far this season was able to throw the ball uh, through for a career high, what, 70, 70 plus yards, um, you know, but early in the game, you know, three rushes, 76 yards by the midshipman uh, on that very first possession. He goes third play of the game, takes it 40 yards to the house for a seven to nothing lead. 
Here's the quarterback himself talking about, you know, kind of moving forward, getting a little bit better uh, in this offense. I think we played, you know, Navy football in the first half, uh, the best we have in a while. And that's the result. You know, when you do your job and you execute at a high level, you play fast. Uh, there's always going to be plays that you wish you had back. We had, a, we had some drives in the second half. You know, if we wish we could just move the ball a little bit more, even in the first half. And obviously I put, you know, some blame on myself first. Obviously look at myself first, uh, which plays I could have made. Uh, I'll take a look at the film. A lot of them already know. A couple of plays I wish we could have back. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to be perfect. But I think we took a big step forward as a team, as an offense. We just have to find a way to build off of it. Three of six for 83 yards, throwing the ball was Xavier Arline. Then he led the way on the ground, 19 carries, 64 yards with that early touchdown. You know, it's, I think the big thing, Bill, you know, obviously the loss, but, you know, seeing a guy that's somewhat capable to throw the ball, granted a lot of that came when you were down later in the football game, but seeing a guy and not just a guy, an offense, you know, that's got some life finally that can move the football it really did in that first half look like the Navy teams were used to seeing offensively running the triple option. I thought he had his best game of the season. Uh, it did yeah. take, take the fumble out of it. I know that huge play, and, and you heard him there talking about it, that you, you got to be better than that. You can't let those things happen. And they'll go back and figure out, was it the center? Was it him? Did he pull out too quick? Was it just a bad snap? Whatever the case may be, I still thought, and the numbers aren't gaudy. I mean, even the passing numbers, good for him, good for Navy when you go for you know, 75, 80 yards passing. The 17 carries, 64 yards, those aren't gaudy numbers. But I thought he was making the right reads. He, he did a good job of when to hold it, when to get rid of it, when to give it to you know the fullback going through, all those type of things. I thought he had, again, his best game of the season. And we talked about how much better would Air Force have been had they converted more on third down. How about Navy? How much yeah. more would they have been in this game and, and maybe won this game? Three of 15 on third down. Now, five of five on fourth down. It's pretty darn good. Don't get yeah. yourself into the fourth downs if you're better than three of 15 on third down. Sure. Yep, 100%. Afterwards, Kenny Matalolo just talked about really just getting worn down in the second half by a big physical Houston team. When we couldn't move the ball, then I think our defense got worn down. And so in the third quarter when we didn't get any first downs or we were slowing down, I mean, we had to keep our defense off the field. I think this got worn down a little bit. You know what I mean? And so there's some big linemen you know what I mean? Trying to get off those guys on blocks. Uh, we were a lot better in the first half, Kareem. But when we started not moving the ball in the second half, then it just kind of steamrolled. We kind of ran out of gas. But like I said, we're still in the game. Yeah, they were in the game. But ultimately, Houston pulls out the 28-20 to win over Navy, the season opening uh, American Athletic Conference uh, first game uh, for both these teams. All right. Bill Rowland. We got to give out our proverbial game balls. I don't know who went first last week. I think I did. I think I, you're up. All right. I, I, I almost wanted to do something I've never done, <laughs> but I was like, I can't do it. Can't do it. I almost wanted to go game ball to all three starting quarterbacks. And I know okay. that they, that, that Navy lost Xavier Arline and, and the midshipmen lost. I mean, Hazi Daniels and Christian Anderson, you know, fantastic. I mean, just you can't say it. You can't say enough. I mean, playing turnover free football, what they did statistically for their teams. I mean, our line finally showing a heartbeat at quarterback. But ultimately, I was like, Price, you can't do all three. I know I know we've done units before. It's like I can't go all three quarterbacks. That is that's just cheating. I had to pick one of the two between Anderson and Daniels. I had to go with Anderson. 
I mean, what, 230 uh, yards rushing. I mean, two touchdown runs of over 70 yards in the first half. I mean, he left, he got hurt, but 236, two touchdowns. I know he was 0-5 throwing the football, but, I mean, again, Army's setting the tone right out of the gate. Christian Anderson was the guy that set the tone. A career day for him at quarterback for the Black Knights, Bill. Hey, they didn't ask him to throw the football. He's not there to throw the football. He can be 0-5 right. every week <laughs> if he's going for 230. So it's fine. Yeah. That, that's a good choice. And, we again, we, we wish him well. We hope he's getting healthy. We hope that shoulder Absolutely. isn't too bad and, and that he'll come back and have many more games like this. I'm going to stick with Army as well, and I'm going to go with the guy who we, again, as I said in the recap, we never talk about this guy, but he was a big factor in the game on Saturday, and that's their punter, Zach Harding. He was dominant in that game, and really a couple times when Army got held down, only you know four or five and out, and he had to give them the good field position, or did they didn't have good field position. He had to give them some room to operate on defense. He boomed a couple of punts. He averaged nearly 50 yards a punt, which again, for a service academy, you yeah. don't get those big-legged kickers there very often. He had a monster day, flipped the field a couple times, and we never talk about him because Army holds the ball forever. He never gets chances to do it. Well, he had five punts on Saturday. That might be a career high. I didn't look it up, but I imagine he doesn't kick five times very often. So Zach Harding... only two times this season. Right. Only going, two times this season. Going into the game, yeah. So he had five on Saturday. So Zach Harding, good on you. You get my game ball this week. I like it, man. I like it going. I like going the special teams route, Bill Rowland. I like it. All right, stay tuned. We're not going anywhere. We're going to get you ready for the games this weekend, all three teams in action. Also, our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll segment. You can find out a lot more at travismannion.org. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spreaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and myriad of ways you can find us. Just search Yards and Stripes on your favorite podcast app. While you're at uh, Apple Podcasts, if you're an iPhone uh, user, give us a review. We'd love five stars. We'll take whatever you want to give us, but it makes it easier for college football fans and certainly Army, Navy, and Air Force fans to find us on Apple Podcasts. So give us a review, but download, listen, subscribe as we come to you every single week, midweek, getting you ready for the upcoming week and looking back on what happened and it's Bill Rowland and Price Atkinson. We will be right back here to preview this weekend's games right here on Yards and Stripes. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Manion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the five words he spoke before leaving for his final deployment. If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Manion Foundation. Words that live in veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians who go out of their way to find a way, who help others with the help of others, who bounce back after each setback who make good on good intentions. Through Travis Manion Foundation, if not me, then who are words that can live in you too. Show the world what your character is made of because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. That's travismanion.org. 
Welcome back to Yards and Stripes, everyone. Bill Rowan along with Price Atkinson. It's now time to take a look at this week's upcoming games for all three service academies. They will all be in action. And first up, Navy taking on University of <coughs> Central Florida. That will be a 3.30 kickoff for the midshipmen. And it's going to be a tough one here. UCF is 15.5-point favorites, 2-1 and one so far on the season price. They haven't played in a couple of weeks since they're uh, exciting, I think, 42-34, 42-35, lost to Louisville, whatever it was. That game was back and forth, back and forth. So maybe he's going to have their hands full coming up on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And UCF has had the week off to prepare. You know, imagine that, getting a week off. Gus Malzahn's team, uh, you know, an extra week to get ready for this one. What would you say, I believe, 16-and-a-half-point favorite? 15-and-a-half, 16, depending on uh, where you're getting your lines from. Yeah, it's it's a couple touchdowns. Yep, so I think probably, the you know, one of the biggest things here, too, obviously, is to see the momentum. And you say, well, can you build momentum off a loss? Well, I think in this case you can, especially with how inept you've been on offense. And this goes back to even last season. You know, but, you know, building off that momentum offensively, you got out to a hot start. You obviously need to close. You need to get the job done defensively. Um, I mean, you can't have, you know, I think what Navy have the ball twice in the third quarter on, on Saturday, their offense, and they were, what, th- three and out twice. I mean, you just can't have those. But I think coming home, getting to play in front of the brigade, um, you know, I think one of the other big things, you know, to look at too, not not to mention talking about, you know, capitalizing off some of that momentum, but, you know, UCF is coming into this with a uh, freshman starting quarterback. Mikey Keene is replacing Dylan Gabriel with broken clavicle. He's out for an indefinite period of time. Um, he's a true freshman. He's not a redshirt freshman. He's not a transfer that's played somewhere else. He is a, Mikey Keene is a true freshman. And so, you know, Gus Malzahn going with him over the Kentucky transfer, Joe Gatewood, a big 6'5", 240 pounder that they got in August. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, that he opts to go with Keene. I think probably the case there for Keene is you were there, you know, during the, you know, all summer is whereas Gatewood didn't arrive until really very late in August camp until honestly right before the season started. So to me, that's a big thing to watch out for as a true freshman going on the road, you know, and starting this game at Navy Marine Corps uh, for the not for the uh, for U, uh, the UCF Knights in their American Conference opener. Yeah, and losing Gabriel is huge. He was hitting almost 70% of his passes on the season. He had nine touchdowns through three games. You lose a guy like that, you, and again, going to a true freshman, you're losing a big chunk of your offense. The one thing that it is going to be a struggle perhaps for Navy, and maybe this is just a matter of the, the type of teams that, that UCF has played, but they're giving up less than 80 yards a game on the ground. So that defensive front for for the Knights is is pretty darn good. If you're, again, three games in and you're only giving up 80 yards or less than 80 yards on the ground, pretty stout defense up front. Now, again, maybe stylistic things. We'd have to go back and really dig into those type of numbers. But that's going to be the challenge is, again, can Navy find a way to run the football? Because as we know... You're not going to make Navy one-dimensional. They're already one-dimensional, so yeah. it's not like it's not like they're going to come out and say, "Okay, well, we're taking the pass away. We're going to force Navy to run, or whatever it is." Navy's going to run no matter what. It's just <laughs> can they run against a team that's got a pretty good uh, front line there? 
I think the other thing, too, is, you know, we don't talk about Navy's defense a lot, and I think we should in this one because there have been a couple times, you know, this is, um, you know, I believe Navy hit third all-time meeting between these teams. It's the only team Navy has not beaten since joining the American Athletic Conference in 2015. They've been very, very close against UCF. It's just been a couple big plays and honestly, a couple big dudes, you know, proverbially and speed-wise, a couple big guys up the middle. I believe it was it last year or two years ago, they had a big defensive tackle that was almost unblockable in the middle of their defensive line. And they always have these speedsters, you know, these guys that are absolutely blistering, you know, from the outside. They got a, um, a guy from, uh, uh, I mean, they've got 23 transfers on this team, uh, but they've got a sophomore who's lightning quick, Johnny Richardson, who's run for 134 yards average is just shy nine yards a carry um you know returns kicks as well ranked 19th in the country there um but then they've got a tennessee transfer brandon johnson who's caught three touchdowns they've got some guys that are burners man at ucf they you know these transfers they get uh, they may not have worked out at some of these you know you know major d1 P, p5 schools but they're fast and they can move and they're big and so i'm curious to see how this navy defense can contain some of the playmakers for UCF, but find a way with Mikey Keene making his first start at quarterback, making life somewhat difficult to get the ball to these guys. That's exactly what I'm looking for at Brian Newberry's defense on Saturday, Bill. Yeah, and, and their running back is a pretty good one as well. He's 6'1", 225, the senior. He came from Northwestern. Uh, Isaiah Bowser, he's already got 268 yards rushing in just three games. So he's going to be a guy that, again, with a freshman quarterback, I would imagine they're going to see if they can get Bowser going early in this game. And if they can, maybe ride him to a game where he gets you know, 20, 25 carries and tries to get to over 100 yards against Navy. So they can kind of control the clock as best they can. Now, again, they're going to be perfectly content with a quick strike off, quick strike offense. Anytime you can put points on the board, mm-hmm. you're, going to, you're going to take it. But I think they will try to keep some pressure off of this quarterback. I agree. Let's look at uh, the Army Black Knights, Bill, going to Ball State in Muncie, Indiana, 4-0 Army. Heading to the Mid-American Conference to take on one and three Ball State, five o'clock kickoff Eastern Standard Time on ESPN Plus. What's the last you've seen on this line, Bill? Seven and a half? Is that yeah, what you've seen? Seven and a half is what I've got here. Ball State has lost three in a row since winning their first game of the season. Uh, and they're in trouble. Uh, quite honestly, I, I the <laughs> seven and a half to me, I I'd be really tempted. I know Army didn't look great against Miami of Ohio as far as uh, you know, we expect them to put up maybe a, a few more points, but uh, Ball State has one of the worst rushing defenses in the country as they're giving up over 180 yards on the ground per game. As we know, Army is number two behind Air Force as the top rushing team in the country. So Army's number two, Air Force is number one. This might be a long day for the Cardinals because we know, again, it's not about Army looking at it and saying, oh, we don't have to pass this week. It's about <laughs> Army just goes, we're going to run. And if we run 75 times, we're going to feel pretty good about ourselves. Yeah, and I'm with you on, on this game. If I'm, you know, Jeff Munkin, which clearly I'm not, but I think that unless Christian Anderson miraculously is healed in – you know, feeling no effects from last weekend. I'm starting Ty here, Tyler at quarterback. 
I'm going with him and then a cadre of guys behind him and sitting Christian Anderson, whether he even makes the trip, who knows. But there's no reason to play, and I'm not counting any chickens before they hatch. But this is a team that you can win with your backup quarterback and your backup backup quarterback uh, in winning against Ball State. I mean, this, the series is tied 3-3 all-time. Ball State has won, I think, three of the last four meetings. Um, but still, you know, they've lost three straight after winning their opener. Uh, was it against Western Illinois? I think it yes. was. Yep. This is not a team that's going to strike fear, and they, their weakness, obviously, is stopping the run. I don't see any way. Uh, I mean, I think Army being a seven and a half point favorite or whatever it is, I'd almost make them a two and a half um, touchdown favorite, you know, by almost, you know, maybe north of 20 points. I don't think this one's going to be close, Bill Roller. Yeah, I, I'm not convinced that Ball State can keep it close either. Oh, they do have some veteran guys on the offensive side of the ball. Justin Hall has caught a pass in 47 straight games. That's the longest streak in D1 right now. He's got 281 catches in his career. That's the most of any active wide receiver. So he, he's talented there. And their quarterback is a fifth-year senior, Drew Plitt, but he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since that week one win over Western Illinois. And overall, they only have three touchdowns in 10 trips inside the red zone. So they've got a couple of, again, nice guys. They're good stories for Ball State, you know, to have that, you know, streak of games with a catch and everything else. But they're just not a very dynamic offense. The one thing I will give them credit for, even though they're getting gashed defensively, giving up 180 yards on the ground, they're pretty decent on third down. They're only giving up 35% conversion on third downs uh, so far in the year. I expect that number to go up. I think Army is is just going to have their way with them come Saturday. I 100% agree with you. All right, let's now look toward the Mount West Conference. Air Force heading to Albuquerque, Bill. 3-1 and one Air Force at 2-2 two and two New Mexico. This is going to be the opener uh, for the Lobos. American, I'm sorry, the Mount West Conference opener for the Lobos. A 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff on Fox Sports 2. Air Force, at least the last I've seen, giving 10 and a half yep. in a series that has been, let me just call it wild. It seems like it's it's been wild, um, you know, the last several seasons. Um, Air Force won 28 to nothing last year, you know, in, in that odd COVID season, but they won 44 to 22 uh, back in now, uh, 2019. It seems like that in this series, I don't know what it is, whether it's at in Colorado Springs or in Albuquerque, there's weird things that happen, weather delays especially. I mean, they've had some long lightning delays, weather delays in this series. It, this is, it's just strange. It just is a strange thing when these teams get together i'm hoping that there's no weather kind of issues on saturday at 6 30 p.m kickoff out in new mexico uh but but time will tell in the series that air force leads 23 to 14 all time this is a classic battle of the number one rushing offense in the country which is air force at 357 yards a game going up a team that is 12th nationally in new mexico only giving up 77 yards a game and they only give up 2.7 yards an attempt on the mm -hmm. ground, so Air Force may have their their you know work cut out for them. Uh, I like the ten and a half. I think ultimately they will wear down it and win this game easily. Uh, I think it may be one of those things that it takes into the second half before they they really wear down the Lobos. But you know, New Mexico's picked off six passes already on the season. That's not going to be a factor. Air Force isn't going to drop back and throw the ball. So as good as that secondary has been, uh, I don't think they're going to be necessarily a big factor in the game uh, on Saturday. Another thing 
as good as they've been defensively, you get down in the red zone. And again, I expect Air Force to be able to move the ball 10 out of 11 in the red zone for New Mexico's opponents so far on the season. So they're letting, when teams get down there, they're getting in. Now they are 2 0 at home. Uh, both mm-hmm. those wins, though, Houston Baptist, New Mexico State, take that for what it's worth. So uh, Air Force trying to stop that streak. But I, I think the Falcons are going to get a win here. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, somebody, uh, I know this, somebody is going to win their first Mount West Conference game on Saturday. There that you go. is a guarantee. That is the safest bet that you could make on Saturday. Um, you know, another, stop me if you heard this before, mentioned a Kentucky transfer quarterback, uh, Terry Wilson, graduate transfer quarterback for uh, New Mexico State has won some big games uh, for Kentucky over the years, went to Florida and won, thrown six touchdown passes and two interceptions. Wasn't very good uh, last week. Um, but that being said, you know, a team that it can move the ball. And again, while things have happened with these teams, when these teams have gotten together, the one thing, you know, this series is tied 10-10 in games played in Al- Albuquerque. But, you know, Mountain West Conference games, high scoring. I don't know what it is, especially about when these teams get together, but a lot of these Mountain West Conference games, Bill, there's just strange things that seem to happen. I've got another sneaking suspicion that we're going to see something strange happen between Air Force and New Mexico. I don't know what it is. I just hope it's not weather-related where you have another hour, hour and a half delay. Yeah, and you talked about their quarterback, Terry Wilson. He does a pretty good job. Uh, spreading the ball around as well. 15 different guys have caught at least one pass on the season for them. And up front on defense, they've got, we've talked about it before, that you don't get the big, huge NFL-bound athletes. Well, they've got a real athletic guy at defensive end, does New Mexico. Joey Noble, 6'3", 245. So he's not a big, huge monster guy. But already this season, three sacks on the year, seven tackles for losses. He's a guy that you've got to make that read. When you're running that triple option, where is he going? Where is he sticking his nose in? Because he's a guy that can blow stuff up pretty quick if you're not aware of what's going on. I'm sure... Coach Calhoun and the rest of Air Force have circled him. Whatever it is when they're doing their film session, it's you've got to know where this guy is every single time we snap the football. Yeah, and and one last thing. You know, you mentioned Air Force leading the nation in rush yards per game at 357 with Army second at 344. You know, the Air Force defense has has been solid, you know, and and now you're starting to get a little bit better sample size after four games where you can start looking at statistics and numbers. You know, they ranked 34th in the country and only given up 18.2 points per game um, in 29th in rushing defense to just right at 100 exactly. So, you know, the Air Force defense quietly – um, those numbers are going to change playing in the Mount West Conference. I mean, it's just going to happen by virtue of the league they play in. But, you know, the Air Force defense on the young season, you know, doing a, a solid job, Bill, um, you know, getting off the field in, in bend but don't break. And certainly that momentum coming out of that FAU game where they played with that attitude that um, Mr. Bug talked about. They're going to have to do that again on Saturday. Yeah, we heard Trey Bug talk about that, that they said, look, you know, all week long we heard about what Utah State did to us defensively. We wanted to make a statement. Well, statement made, but now you got to back it up. It can't just be one week. So if they can do that again against New Mexico, who I don't think is as talented as Utah State, and I'm still not sure what we're getting out of Florida Atlantic, to be honest with you. I'm not yeah. I'm not convinced that they're as bad as Air Force made them look, but you got to do it. You do it one week, that's fine. Two weeks in a row is a trend, so let's get the trend going that the defense is back and locked in place. 
All right, let's pivot to our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll segment. We will do that coming up next, honoring a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice uh, in partnership with our friends at the Travis Mannion Foundation, which you can find out a lot more information about at travismannion.org. We will do that next here on Yards and Stripes. This week on the Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment, we remember Marine First Lieutenant Robert Kelly as Robert was killed in action on November the 9th, 2010, the anniversary of his death coming up uh, later this week. But Robert, who was killed uh, by an IED in Afghanistan, was 29 and a native of Bethesda, Maryland. And his father is somebody that has talked openly about his son's death. White House Chief of Staff, former Marine General and Secretary of Homeland Security, John Kelly. uh, As he is survived by his mother, Karen, his father, obviously, John Kelly, and his sister, Kathleen, as well as his wife, Heather. And you'll hear from Heather in just a second. But Robert was a 2003 graduate of Florida State University, and he enlisted uh, in basic training in January 2004. In 2008, he was commissioned a second lieutenant in, uh, after graduating from officer candidate school when he then later went on to Bridgeport, California, uh, serving in the Mountain Warfare Training Center. But he was a member at the time of his death. It was 29 years old, serving as a member of the 3rd Battalion, 1st Marine Corps at out of Camp Pendleton, California. And First Lieutenant Kelly uh, was awarded the Purple Heart Navy and Marine Corps Accommodation Medal, uh, as well as a Combat Action Ribbon with one gold star. And Robert's wife, Heather, uh, is doing some amazing work as she is a member of the Travis Manion Foundation staff. She is the director of the West Region, the manager of the West Region, based out of San Diego, uh, California. But her experience with TMF uh, after the loss of her husband, Robert, first lieutenant there in the Marine Corps, uh, really was a gateway in opening her uh, heart and uh, herself to the Travis Manning Foundation, who she is now a part of working with on a daily basis. Here's Robert Kelly's wife, Heather, remembering her husband. Getting to know him, we could talk for hours. I used to go hang out at his apartment and we'd sit talking until four o'clock in the morning. And like he kept in touch with all the people from all the different stages of his life. That when he formed those relationships, they were tight-knit, you know, close-knit and meant something to him. end of the summer I went back home to New Jersey. I think I didn't realize until right before we were going to be apart that I couldn't, didn't want to be away from him. So it was 2003 and we were still in school um, and it was the beginning of the Iraq war and Rob's dad was deployed then and once he graduated and went to the Marine recruiter and enlisted. There's a quote that I found after he was killed, which is your absence has gone through me like thread through a needle. Everything I do is stitched with this color. So I kind of feel like that moment changed everything. I try to think like what would he have done if he had more time? Like he definitely would have made the Marines a career in his lifetime of service. So just trying to continue that in a small way. We remember First Lieutenant Robert Kelly, United States Marine Corps. And if you want to join the mission and help out with the Travis Mannion Foundation, you can do so by visiting travismannion.org. 
All right, getting out of here on Yards and Stripes, episode five. Price Atkinson joined by my man Bill Rowland as we march toward kickoff on Saturday, Bill. I know a lot of folks are looking at that national schedule this weekend with some boys, some eye-popping matchups, you know, around the country. There are going to be some good ones. I like what we have on tap with our set of three uh, on Saturday, especially uh, with the Air Force Academy uh, going to Albuquerque and facing New Mexico and then Navy hosting UCF and Gus Malzahn. Yeah, I think we're looking at probably another two-in-one weekend. I hate to keep putting it on Navy is the one that I'm not confident in winning, but you are a two-touchdown underdog. And just like going to Houston, we said, you got to show me. Well, you did. You showed me that you still have fight. Now you got to show me that you can win, that you can finish games off, that it's not just 30 minutes and you're up by 10 at halftime and then blow that lead in the second half, finish out a game. If they can do that, then you know what? I'll have more confidence moving forward. The other two teams, I think, of Air Force and Army, I think Army will have the easier time, even if Christian Anderson doesn't play. I think they've got the easier time going up against Ball State, even though the line is only 7.5 compared to 10.5. For Air Force, I just think, as you mentioned, weird stuff happens when you're there. You're also on the road. So uh, I like Army to win easily. I think Air Force will win as well. But it's going to be, again, I think Air Force takes takes care of the football and wins kind of going away in the second half. I think they kind of pull away late to win that one against New Mexico. All right, real quick, uh, stepping away from the field, I don't know know if you saw any of this. you know, I, I just remembered it and wanted to mention it going out the door. You know, Chad Lunsford, uh, the former Georgia Southern head coach, fired after a one and three start uh, down in Statesboro, Georgia. Uh, and a couple names I saw, familiar names, mentioned uh, in conjunction with that opening. You know, Ivan Jasper was in play. You know, the now Navy quarterback coach, he was in play once before. Uh, for that job, uh, Mike Thiessen, the offensive coordinator uh, at the Air Force Academy, um, Brent Davis, um, the offensive coordinator um, with the Army Black Knights, Nate Woody, defensive coordinator, um, several names connected with these three service academies all mentioned as possible candidates, um, you know, for that Air Force or for that Georgia Southern job. Uh, simply, I think you look at, the, you know, the byproduct of, the triple option, and that's what they've run forever. Jay Bateman, another one, is now the defensive coordinator at North Carolina, but you know did a fantastic job uh, for Jeff Munkin before he left. I believe it was right before the Army-Navy game about three years ago when it broke that he was leaving to go to North Carolina. A lot of, te- a lot of names you know, connected with these three programs, uh, but that triple option is something that Georgia Southern ran under Irk Russell, uh, then obviously for years under Paul Johnson. You know, Jeff Munkin was you know, coached there for a while. A lot of similarities in, in what you think Georgia Southern wants to get back and do with winning pedigree with all three of these service academies, Bill. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because in this day and age of college football, a lot of times the service academies have to do it because they don't get the athletes. They don't have the choice. Yeah. It's interesting when other schools stay with it. So I'll be interested in watching that to see if they do kind of go that way, what their athletic director is thinking, if he wants to stay with what's been successful for them in the past, or if he wants to kind of step into the 21st century, as everybody says, and throw the ball 50 times a game. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if any of the, any of the staff of these three service academies get to poach for that job. If I'm any one of these guys, Guys, I'm not leaving during the middle of the year. 
You know, I, no. I may I may say, you know what, we got to wait and, and get this done. Talk to me in December, whenever it is. But it, it's, look, it's always flattering to have your name mentioned in, for job openings, no matter what you do for a living. And certainly uh, when it comes to being a head coach in college football, because there's only so many of those jobs out there. Yeah, Brian Bohannon, one last name to throw out there, head coach at Kennesaw State, longtime Navy assistant on the offensive side of the football for Coach Ken Niamatololo. A lot of time, nothing I don't think will be decided there until probably at least November, but something to keep an eye on. All right, Bill, let's go ahead and get out of here. Looking forward to Saturday's three games. Obviously, we told you once, we'll tell you again. Uh, proud to be supported by the Travis Mannion Foundation. Um, you can check them out, travismannion.org, but find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, search Yards and Stripes. That is where you will find Bill Rowland and I, and he and I will do it again next week here on Yards and Stripes. Thanks for being with us for this edition of Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. A reminder to find us on social media through Yards and Stripes and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And we will catch you next time on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football.